Welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk with friends and family um, about some of their favorite movies, whether they are from the past or from present day. And Eleanor will introduce our guest and movie. Okay, so our guest today is Sarah DeMarie. That is that the correct pronunciation? <laughs> DeMarie. <Damn it. laughs> DeMarie, she was an she was an author. She wrote Rebecca. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, that's different. How do you say your last name? <laughs> I went this from, like, the easiest maiden name to pronounce. Um, DeMarais. DeMarais. Okay, yeah, this is I think that's right. But people get married in name change. <laughs> it's very confusing. Even though I, like, finally shifted to having your married name in my phone contact, and oh, I was, wow. like, really proud of myself. But anyway. So, <laughs> Elle, you're still just – you don't even have a last name in my phone because I think I put you in my phone, like – beginning of freshman year before I knew oh, yeah. your last name. So you are Eleanor in my phone. Oh, I like that. Yeah. The I like that only Eleanor. Yep, exactly. Um, okay. So Sarah DeMarier. Damn it. We'll, we'll okay. roll with it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Went to Notre Dame with me and thus also with Annie because she lived in Kavanaugh and the most important. And then Sarah currently works and lives in New Orleans. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I have lived in New Orleans now for about eight years. I live here with my husband, Ben. Um, First moved down here to teach. Um, Taught a lot of kids who had experienced quite a bit of trauma and violence. And so that led me to an interest in youth mental health, which is what I've been exploring for the last few years. Um, I've worked in a residential program for boys. I was kind of a mom to a bunch of teenage boys, which was a fun and interesting experience. Um, And I've also been studying mental health counseling at Loyola University down here. And more recently, thanks. Yeah. Working on that master's. More recently, I am working here at Loyola Institute for Ministry, working on a project with Catholic sisters in East Africa who are trying to integrate Catholic social teaching with sustainable development best practices. Love. So it's really cool how everything that you've worked on, arguably, like, since the beginning of college is, like, culminating to to a certain degree in this job. So that's pretty awesome. I think so. Yeah, it's a pretty... (laughs) It <laughs> came at the right time in life, too. So it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are doing amazing things. Thank you. I'm working with awesome people. Some awesome sisters. That makes all the difference in the world. It's true. <laughs> working with good Ugh. people, for sure. Mm. All right. And can so we'll be talking about the movie Strictly Ballroom in a minute. But in the meantime, can you tell us what has been some of your something from the world of culture that has invigorated you in the past week? Okay, in the past week. So I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I will say this past Sunday's episode of Westworld. Oh, was I think the best episode of the season so far. Like I had not yet bought into season two until this week's episode. Now I'm on board. Westworld is such like a mind game. Yeah. Like the whole first season, I was like, what is going on? I don't understand what reality is anymore. I don't know how to live. So good. I'm glad it's getting back to that. Yeah. I feel good about it. Ultimate confusion. Um, 
So for me, I have two things. The first, Post Malone is a genius. He is just so good. His new album is amazing, particularly one song called Better Now. It like, it just like kills the game. Like it is so good. It's like, wait, I'm is the that one. that white rapper guy? Yeah, he, Eleanor, he's like so good. I don't think I'm going to get on board. Mm, really into him. <laughs> I will send you the song. It is unreal. <laughs> and then my second was this movie that I like randomly saw on Saturday. I've already told Eleanor all about it. Um, I it was it's called Beast, and it's like a British psychological thriller. It is crazy, and I thought about it for, like, the rest of the weekend, and I love when things are like that. So, beast. Yeah. Yeah, you felt very strongly about that, I would say. Um, For me, I'm also going to go out on a limb and say two things. One, I saw the movie Overboard. I loved it, but I'm also the target audience because I love Eugenio Derbez films. The common misconception, they're never about his relationship with women. They're about the relationships he fosters with children. And they're beautiful. And that which sounds weird and gross, but like yeah, I, it does. I mean it in the best way. And then secondly, I okay, so I don't know the show The Great British Bake Off very Love well. It. So good. Yeah. But this past weekend. My friend Anne had her 30th birthday party, and she did a great British mix-off. And what this involved was a cocktail-making competition that aligned with the three challenges in a great British bake-off, I guess. That's amazing, yes. And it was just, like, incredible, the amount of effort and energy that went into this. Um, So I appreciate the great British bake-off as a cultural moment. It's a great show. Um, you know who introduced me it to that amazing. show was Treatsy, Patrizia Martellaro. Oh, that's, that's so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I visited her. In, it's such a good show. I was in New York like a year ago and stayed with her. And she was like, so I've been watching this nonstop. Oh yeah. Gosh. I mean, once you start, you cannot stop no. because it's just like the most relaxing thing. So like so as chill. a teacher, I would come home after like a day of children and just like put on the Great British Bake Off and be like, Lovely British people are baking, and everyone is so kind, and there's a beautiful field to look out on. I mean, it's amazing. Agree. All right. And now to the meat of our show, the film Strictly Ballroom. Sarah, can you please give us a short synopsis of Strictly Ballroom? Sure. Um, So Strictly Ballroom was actually Baz Luhrmann's first film. Um, So before he did, like, Moulin Rouge etc. Strictly Ballroom is about ballroom dancing, as the name would suggest, and our main character is a guy named Scott, who is a competitive but amateur ballroom dancer, um, who at the beginning of the movie kind of goes rogue by making up his own steps, like improvising during a ballroom dance competition, which is apparently really not allowed in this world of Australian ballroom dance. So choosing to make up his own steps has all these consequences. You see like some of his family members kind of like recoil in horror at what he's done. He loses his dancing partner. Um, Yeah, there's all these consequences, all this fallout to him improvising his own steps. Um, And but one of those consequences is that a woman named Fran, who is a beginner dancer, we're told, but also um, 
kind of like an ugly duckling character in this, like, mm. I guess it's like the ugly duckling cliche in this film, um, decides that she wants to dance with him. So the two of them end up kind of like developing, it becomes a romantic storyline, but throughout the film, there's a lot of like family conflict that sort of runs parallel to this like conflict in the dancing world. Um, our bad guy is Barry Fife, who like sets the rules of ballroom dancing and decides what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, we also get to know Fran's family a little bit and they're kind of, so they're Spanish speaking and it's like hinted that they're like, they're kind of presented as immigrants, but it's really unclear where they're from. I don't think they ever really say where they're from. Um, but Fran's family ends up like teaching Scott some more authentic dance moves compared to the ones that he's allowed to do as a ballroom dancer. So yeah, the whole film is really about like Scott's conflict between, um, what he feels is like these obligations to his family and the strict rules of this like ballroom dance culture and like what he personally feels compelled to do. So yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's so just wildly entertaining. It is so good. And it's, yeah, the ending just kind of blew my mind. So I watched this movie for the first time, I don't know, a couple months ago, it was like a pretty rainy, cold Saturday in Chicago, and I was like getting ready to go out, and I was like, I think we're going to talk about this movie soon, and it's on Netflix, so like, why not watch it? And I found myself just entirely enthralled in how crazy it was, and I mean, I have to think that it's one of the first one, uh, the first movies that does kind of that, um, faux documentary, right? I mean, yeah. it's like... mockumentary. But like mockumentary style. Yeah. Right. And because I don't remember any movies before this in, like, cinematic history having done that. And I feel like nowadays it's, like, pretty well accepted, at least in TV and television, right? right because right. we have, like, The Office and we have... Well, it's all, Parks like, the Christopher Rec. Guest... The, the what? Yeah, the, the Christopher Guest movies, like, Best in Show and We, yeah. the Guffman. Right. But I think part of what's what makes this movie really entertaining is that that, like mockumentary style is only the first like 10 minutes of the movie yes and then yes like, abrupt shift and you still get I guess like some of the newspapers and stuff presented but like stylistically the beginning of the movie is so different from the rest of it it's so funny I thought that beginning part of it was just like killer I just like couldn't handle it yeah I'm like do they realize that they're talking about competitive ballroom dance but that's the best part about a mockumentary is that the way that we treat something so light as so heavy, in a sense. But wait, okay, so Sarah, what was your first experience with Strictly Ballroom? So it was actually like a – I saw it in middle school-ish, and it was my mom's coworker was like a huge fan of the movie. And my family didn't really watch a lot of movies. Like I would say this is one of the few movies that we watched together as a family – because um, my mom's coworker recommended it. And I remember her like giving us a pitch as to why we should watch it. And she talked about how it like starts like it's a documentary, but then it's really not. And it goes into a movie um, and also recap the like funny line about, you know, like Pam Short's broken both her legs, like that sequence and, <laughs> and the kid being that was unexpected. So that's how she pitched it to us. And we did watch it as a family. Um, and yeah, so I saw it. Yeah, I was probably like 13 or so. 
Okay, question. Why are the... Is she Spanish? Can we assume that she's Spanish? Well, I think what or is she Argentinian? Is they're definitely like the other. Yeah. But I'm wondering yeah. why they are the other. They're definitely the other. There's like a train track running directly yes. behind their house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I think making... And this is something... Okay, so this film is very clearly an Australian film. And there's a lot with that, but as, like, American audiences, we don't often think about the complexities of immigration within Australia. And, like, they very much, too, have, um, like, segregated, racialized interpretations of immigrants within. And that kind of only really came about in Australian film in the mid-'90s. And this was part of kind of... The, there was like the Australian New Wave films of the 70s and then it was wasn't until the 90s that it seemingly other than the Crocodile Dundee movies which dominated the oh, 80s yes. these were the this movie like Muriel's Wedding um and there was a bunch of like quirky quirky Australian films uh what Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert that presented like a different I've never view seen of that us movie. You, Annie and here's the thing is you would be obsessed with Adventures of uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert I'm sure I would. It sounds like a very mean movie. Let's sing, Actually, let's no, dance, you definitely watch. When you came to visit me freshman year at Notre Dame and you went to one of my film classes, we had to rewatch a scene from part of it. And I remember you were like, what is happening? But you were also like 16 or 15 or something and just overwhelmed by life. I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the first time I met Sarah as I was like being, yes. I feel like especially on that first trip, trip down memory lane listeners sorry but on that first trip to Notre Dame when you were a student I feel like I just you were just taking me down hallways and like throwing me into people's rooms and you would like leave me there like I have a very clear memory of you leaving me in Becca Cabrera's room (laughs) and her roommate was like Claire Brady maybe yeah and the one with short hair um oh she's so nice shoot no Becca's wait who what was the Name? Isn't it Elise? Elise? Or was it? I, oh, no, God. she was. No, she. Okay, this. All I remember is that she was Asian and hooked up with a guy in alumni and broke parietals. Like, isn't it weird that, like, that is. <laughs> That's amazing. So I don't know that I met her. Maybe I did, but you definitely, like, left me in there for, like, a half an hour. And I was like, okay. And then I remember going to Jolyn's room and maybe Sarah, your room too. I don't know. Probably. And Eleanor essentially yeah. put me in front of a TV for a little bit. And I was like, and it was like 10 p.m. and people were drinking and I was like 16. And I was just like, whoa, college is the coolest <laughs> ever. Have you get to be with your ever. friends all the time. <laughs> yeah, you lived the dream. I would, I would probably still, I mean realistically when you come to los angeles and i have things to do i just like shove you off on other people so the cycle continues <laughs> no you're okay. silly but this movie from where it fit in like australian film history it did really mark this new beginning and it there they were often the films of the 90s were often humorous ways to acknowledge that there was difference in australian mm. communities and that was really the first time that that ha- that existed. Ugh. But this is so great. I mean, Have you... Okay, sorry, go ahead. 
Okay, so Annie, just because I wanted to make sure that you were aware, the main girl in this, Fran, yes. she's one of the prostitutes in uh, Moulin Rouge. Did you recognize her? No. She's, like, one of the mean ones. The one who, like, comes up to the account at the end being, like, she's sleeping with (laughs) the composer. (laughs) Nope, nope. I know exactly who you're talking about. I've got it. And, yes, that is so her. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Ray. Okay, like, love. I love Baz Luhrmann, like, a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Okay, so, Sarah, this film is a Baz Luhrmann film. Does your love and appreciation for Strictly Ballroom translate into love and appreciation for his other films or would or no? So I haven't actually seen his more recent films. Like I still haven't seen Great, Great Gatsby. Gatsby. Australia. Um, I remember seeing Moulin Rouge as a kid and like being maybe like not ready for Moulin Rouge when I saw it. I could <laughs> but see appreciating that. I could it see right that. later in life um love Romeo and Juliet just like big Shakespeare fan in general um fun fact about this thank you internet so he considers those three films like Romeo and Juliet um Strictly Ballroom yes yeah and Moulin Rouge to be his Red Curtain trilogy because they all have different like theatrical themes and they all focus on a different element of theater so for Strictly Ballroom it's dancing Moulin Rouge is obviously singing and Romeo and Juliet's like poetry, wordplay. So mm. you can look like if you put those three films side by side, they're so different, but you can definitely see kind of thematic similarities between the three. And each of them was just like Baz yes. Luhrmann exploring like what happens if I make a movie all about dance or all about singing or so. Yeah, yeah it's interesting stuff. Oh, so and what blows my mind about Buzz Luhrmann is like he right now I assume would be a lot older than I realize he's only fifty five. Oh wow! So wait, no way. So yeah. he was so young when he made this. Yeah, yeah. What is two thousand eighteen minus nineteen ninety two? Twenty six <laughs> years ago. So fifty five minus twenty six. I feel 20... like you could have done this an easier way. Hanny, could I have? <laughs> <laughs> So he was 29 years old, which is pretty young to make such a film. I um, think I remember reading that he, like, initially wrote this as a play when he was a student. Like, it was, like, a student play that he had oh. done and put on, like, as a student. And that's it got picked up to be a film. Love. And he has – his artistic vision is so clear. Mm-hmm. And he's – one of the very few examples of, like, a modern-day auteur in the sense that you could watch a scene from one of his films not knowing that he made it and be like, oh, Baz Luhrmann clearly was involved in this. <laughs> right. His thumbprints are right. all over this. Right. Yes, which I kind of love, you know? Like, I love that he is so distinctive um, in his filmmaking. Like, I feel like there are very few producers who have that other than the ones that like perpetually make like really depressing potential Oscar winners you know Mm -hmm. like nobody has fun movies like that yeah he's like at least this film is like it's so unapologetically ridiculous and silly like get on board this is going to be over the top and silly and ridiculous 
Right. And I just, like, love the whole thing with, like, his dad having been, like, a secret ballroom champion. Like, what a secret surprise at the end. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. What is your favorite scene from the movie? Gosh, I think it's hard to just, like, choose one scene. I think I have, like, sentimental feelings for a lot of the scenes that use, like, pop music. Like, time after time, mm. um, perhaps, perhaps, oh, yeah, perhaps. So and then, like, of course, at the end, like, love is in the air. Like, I think all of those scenes are so perfect in the way that it, like, uses pop music. But also, I don't know, it's a way of, like, kind of lightening up the, like, really strict ballroom culture that's, like, presented and mocked in the other parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, I think my favorite scene, just because it's, like, I mean... The whole thing is so ridiculous, but I love the montages of, like, them dancing over, like, rooftops and, like, you know, like, and it's like, oh, they're becoming a pair and they don't want to dance with anyone else. And there's just, like, this raw emotion that you're like, would this really exist? Is this a thing? You know? And then it pans up and, like, dad is dancing on the roof by himself. Exactly. And then I also, I love how the dads both come into the dancing Mm. because, her dad teaches him, like, the Argentine tango so that he can, like, sex it up, essentially, on the dance floor. Um, I recently found out that my students have been listening to all of our podcasts, and the boys specifically listen for ones where I say bad words. So, enjoy, boys. (laughs) (laughs) They're 10, and they really should have better things to do with their time. (laughs) And this is why we have good listens. This is like all of our listenership is like, well, it's also like Jess's boyfriend, Darren, shout out who I got to see last week. And then your students. (laughs) And my students. And it's so funny because then they'll be like, hey, Miss Huntington, can we like listen to your podcast during our snack? And one time I was like, okay. And I was like scrolling through and I'm like, which one am I sure I didn't use bad language in? So I played the one that my dad did because I was like, there's no way he uses bad language and there's no way I probably used bad language around him so like that's all pretty and then they just kept shouting in the black play the black panther play black panther (laughs) and in my brain i'm like oh i definitely said something embarrassing and they just want me to play it out loud in front of everyone what did you put what did you say i have no idea i need to go back and listen to it i don't know what they know about me now probably are you bleed too much (laughs) (laughs) undoubtedly too much um excellent Sorry, I don't know how I got... Oh, because I said sex. He could sex it up on sex the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> Miss Huntington. I know. I know. So funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love that both of the fathers... like. But it's interesting because I do think that he's making a pretty interesting play on the idea of masculinity because mm. our main character is seen as like this insane catch and like this very masculine competitor, like someone you would see on 30 for 30 on ESPN and he's a competitive ballroom dancer. Right. And like his dad is emasculated because he won't dance. Right. Um, and then he kind of regains his manhood at the end by reclaiming the dance floor. So, I don't know. I thought that that was a pretty interesting commentary on manhood. Well, and Baz Luhrmann likes to play with uh, notions of manhood and masculinity in all of his. Because you look at 
his heroes. We have Leonardo DiCaprio's Great Gatsby. And arguably, this should be almost... Gatsby is like an effeminate character historically and literary. Uh, in, mm-hmm. Because he is more passive. He doesn't make, like, real moves in a way. The best scene in the movie is where he, like, throws the shirts and I, like, die. I had never thought Leonardo DiCaprio was that attractive until that one scene. But, like, he is the strong character. But And and we even think about, like, Owen McGregor's character. Like, the main male character is a failed poet who lives in an attic who ran away Mm. from his dad um, in search of, like, talking about truth and beauty and love. Um, so really reworking conceptions of masculinity, I think, is at the heart of his characters, which, I mean, props to him. I haven't seen The Get yeah. Down. I Like, The Get Down, I know, was kind of like his, like, love, and it didn't do that well. Um, but I wonder how that played out in terms of, like, teenage boys. Did either of you see The Get Down? What is that? It was his Netflix show. It was like the musical set oh. in the seventies. It was it was really important. I it was one like of the... the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, and then I stopped. No, and it was one of those ones I always meant to support to keep it on air because I was like it had a really great young cast entirely made up of actors of color, and I was like I should watch this for many reasons, and then right. it was canceled before I put it on in the background. How sad, Eleanor. It's all your fault. I, I take everything so personally. Yeah, it's all your fault. You should write apology notes to Boz Lerman. <laughs> I'm so silly. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> You're in a mood. Okay. But, I'm in a very strange mood. Sarah, what? so the elements from this movie that you enjoy the most, how do you see them relating to other pieces of entertainment that you enjoy so like you mentioned westworld today but oh, yeah how do we make that connection <laughs> no, but, like, but it, like this is both a real and a fantastic world and that's what yeah. he likes to create particularly in the red curtain films um is that something that you naturally gravitate to or what is appealing about that so yeah i don't know i mean i i think i like struggle to connect this to other pieces of entertainment <laughs> that I love. And maybe that's like part of the appeal of this is it's so unique and mm-hmm. yeah, no, I can't point to any other single piece of entertainment and be like, I love this because it's, you know, this reminds me of strictly ballroom. Well, that was like when you were giving your, what you were interested in mm-hmm. talking about, I was yeah. shocked, like not shocked. That's the wrong word, but I was like surprised. Cause normally like when we get guests on and we ask them to like list a couple of their favorite childhood movies, there might be like one or two that are outliers or be like, Oh, that mm-hmm. would be interesting. But this was like very different. Wouldn't you agree? Andy? Yes. Yeah, I hadn't heard anyone say, like, Strictly Ballroom. And I think that Strictly Ballroom is a movie that people generally like, but they don't think about. Like, it doesn't pop into their brain. And this was your one. And I've known you for a long time, but, like, I would not have pegged you for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Does Ben like it? So I made him watch it for the first time (laughs) two nights ago. Um, 
And yeah, part of the dynamic of our relationship is I get like very excited about primarily like TV shows, like my favorite TV shows. And I'll make him watch them with me. And the whole time I'm like, this is so exciting. Isn't this amazing? Isn't the best thing you've ever seen? And I'm too intense about it. And then he backs off and is like, please let me have my space to just like process this <laughs> and like maybe it's fine and like that's all I'm gonna say about it um so, I, so, so I tried to like really play it cool while we were watching Strictly Ballroom and not be over the top isn't this the best thing you've ever seen and like look at him and all the jokes um so the only thing that I asked him I was like were you entertained by it and he said yes <laughs> I was entertained by it so that's I mean, what I was able I, to get out of him it is very entertaining. It's entertaining. Like, that is the best word to describe it. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also excited because you mentioned that, like, Ben gravitates towards physics-related science. Wait, what? Comedies. Yeah. Like, Flubber? <laughs> is that a physics-related science movie? Oh, my gosh. We love Flubber. It is now. <laughs> no, just <laughs> So he's a physics teacher. So when... Um, when I asked him like what he would talk about if he were on the podcast, he thought of like the Martian or like gravity, like oh, movies that he I loves. love gravity. Yeah. So, Gravity's he could, so good. those are movies that he like has as a sub plan for his physics classes. If he ever isn't able to come mm. in. So perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I think you should add flubber. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's both where Annie and I immediately went. Like, obviously this like, is the only like he's a physicist he makes this goo thing that like has a mind of its own what isn't theoretical physics about that or there's also you can let him know that there was this great movie i like the particular love of albert einstein Hmm. it's like really unfounded but like i very much identify with him as in i wrote my admission essay to notre dame equating myself to albert einstein (laughs) I don't. I didn't know this at all. Oh, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> well, I went there. I said that I was that smart. So, <laughs> Anne, eighteen-year-old Anne, had no problems <laughs> with confidence. Um, but there is this great movie that is. I think it's with um, Meg oh, Ryan. Meg Ryan is definitely in it. And then who else? Tim Robbins. No, it's uh, Walter Matthau playing Albert Einstein. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's romantic called comedy. I, it's called IQ. Yeah, it's called IQ. Oh, okay. Let him know. <laughs> so oh, Tim Robbins? He has to watch yeah. either Flubber or the movie about Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> just pick but one of really them. it's really just about love. So. <laughs> yeah, love no it. science. Uh, okay, but back to Strictly Ballroom. Yes. What is the legacy of this film? Oh, great question. And do you think it's appropriate for young audiences? Hmm. As Annie said, there's sexy dances on the dance floor. <laughs> there's also... Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of these dances and how, like, not sexy they are. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, actors and actresses and dancers in this movie. No, like, sweaty, drunk Ken Raylings. <laughs> yes. That's yes. a buzzkill. <laughs> Um, is it appropriate for young audiences? So there's like the one super awkward, like glimmer of a sex scene that we get. Like, I think if that were cut out, it would be appropriate for all audiences. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. But even then, it's like not that big of a deal. No, true. You don't see that much. 
Um, but there's also, I mean, I so I think one of the like more like challenging parts of this movie is there's like some violence in the family. Like Scott gets slapped yeah. in the face by his mom. Um, so I think I, oh, yeah. yeah, I would just be careful about who I would show that to and in what context, you know, depending on. Yeah. There's some like real family conflict. Like there's some heavy family stuff that's like dressed up as silly ballroom conflict. Mm-hmm. Good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. How about you, Annie? Um, would I show this to 10-year-olds? Probably not. Would mm-hmm. I show it to kids in high school or like eighth graders? Yeah. I actually think that eight, I've said this on a couple of our podcasts. I think this is a great movie to watch at a sleepover in like eighth grade or freshman year of high school. I think if you had like the right group of people, you would like immediately kind of latch on to these inside jokes and then be able to like say those one-liners back to each other and like it would become your thing. That being said, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's like the legacy of Baz Luhrmann. It like, you know, kind of propelled him. I think it's a very fun movie to watch. But again, I just don't see very many people like choosing to put it on. If that, it, like, if you know what I mean. Like, and that's, I think it's sad. I think it, like, people should watch this. Um, but I just don't think, think there's a place for it right now. Like, other mm. than a fresh, like a early high school sleepover. <laughs> Um, that's the, where I first saw this movie was in Maggie Zarnick. Now Maggie Zarnick McDonald's. She had another baby. I didn't even know. This is one of the things now that I'm off of social media, like it's good in many ways, but then I've realized I miss a lot of things. She's on to, um, K and L. So it's like Colby something like as in St. Maximilian. I knew that also he's Polish, so it makes sense. But anyway, um, I saw this movie first in her basement, so on a sleepover in between 7th and ninth grade. Sometime. I'm not exactly sure when we started. But for me, like, what I love about this movie is, um, and I know it doesn't last forever, but even the opening framing of mockumentary, um, the mockumentary setup, and I think the documentary, the, establishing it as a mockumentary somehow makes it more accessible and weirdly appropriate for younger ages than it should be otherwise because of the style and I find this too with like Christopher Guest movies which have a lot of mature content but it's almost because it's not presented as fictional it's presented as the real world and kids understand that like the news and documentaries are about serious things that they that they don't pay Mm -hmm. as much emotional attention in a weird way Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but I do see what you're saying. Well, I'm glad, Annie, that you affirm me, but Sarah. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I mean, I think I had thought more in terms of, like, the, like, mockumentary style at the beginning just gives you so much permission to laugh at these characters. Like, even mm, though true. in those opening scenes, like, mom is literally crying about how terrible this situation is, but the way it's framed, you're just, like, cracking up because it's ridiculous. Mm wonderful no I, th- that's I think if there were like anyone of our generation who had not seen it I would say like absolutely 100% watch it like it's it's just funny like if you just go into it looking for a silly entertaining movie yeah but I wouldn't like <laughs> when I lived with teenage boys in New Orleans I would never have like put this on the tv 
and expected any right. of them not to like run out of the room and assume they couldn't connect with these characters at all. So, yeah. Mm. For real. That's very, you, yes. Wait, so you wouldn't just like run in and put this movie on? <laughs> that didn't happen all the time (laughs) no i would i was already like really testing my limits by making like by notre dame football dominating every Hmm. saturday in the fall (laughs) so yep so funny well okay so we usually end here at good film hunting by talking about where in the world we would like to be right now should we be able to choose anywhere that was a weird way of saying that (laughs) but like no cost like there's no prohibitions inhibition Mm. you know whatever you know what i'm saying (laughs) no inhibitions (laughs) annie's only going to go places with nude beaches i hope your students enjoy that Oh gosh, hi Daylon. <laughs> They're probably listening to this while playing Fortnite together, so <laughs> I hate Fortnite. Okay. Anyway. Sarah, how about you? <laughs> yeah, so um so I have to say, I don't know when this is gonna be like published, but the day we're recording is my sister's birthday. <gasps> yes. Oh. So happy birthday, Rachel. Um, and where I would love to be right now. So she used to live in Spain. She lived in like on the island of Menorca. And I was Ooh. able to visit her very briefly. Like I think we had two nights there. Um, so we have the dream of like going back together and being able to spend more time there so she can show me more of like where she lived and, you know, she can see her old friends again and I can also connect with them. So I think if I could be anywhere right now, it would be with my sister on her birthday in Menorca. That's really cool. Yeah, that sounds like a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mine was going to be a lot more self-centered in that I have a page of the day Atlas Obscura calendar, and today it was about the natural thermal baths in Iceland, and I've become like... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I've become like kind of super bougie in LA in the last year, but only really in one aspect, and that is my obsession with spas. Elmer um, loves them. She's <laughs> always trying to get me to go and be naked around lots of people. Korean spas are like fifteen to twenty dollars, and you can stay all day. So it's like very. So I. This is not my life of luxury. Um, so the fact to be in an outdoor, thermal, natural Icelandic pool sounds pretty cool. <laughs> but Annie, you wear swimsuits there. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think if I could go anywhere in the world right now, I would go to Malaysia. I really like orangutans. And you have to say it. <laughs> That's like that. awesome. No, no, no. If you say orangutan, you're wrong because huh. there's no G at the end of the word. So it's orangutan. Cool. All right. Orangutans <laughs> are super awesome. And they're essentially, their DNA is 99% human. Huh. And so that's just, like a little bit too close for comfort, but I'm also just intrigued by them. And their homes are like getting just killed because of deforestation. Um, so I want to go. I want to go hug an orangutan. I don't know mm. that I can hug an orangutan, but see an orangutan. Wonderful, Annie. 
Thanks. All right. On that note, Sarah, thank you so much to, for joining us. Sure. Happy birthday to Rachel Klein. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Um, yeah, we love doing it. We'll have to get Ben on to talk about one of his science movies and or one of and what or we flubber. think. <laughs> or Flubber. That's what I'm saying. Or Flubber. Um, he could talk about how possible Flubber is. Sure. Or okay. impossible. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Annie wants Ben to come on the podcast so she can have a recipe for Flubber. <laughs> I think that a high school physics teacher should be able to at least give me that, you know? For sure. The best thing to come out of high school physics. JK, don't tell your husband that. (laughs) I would never. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you. Thank you to our producer, Haley. you. You can find us on the interwebs, on the Instagram, which Annie is so good at updating, I think. No, I haven't been this week. Oops, sorry. And the Facebook, which I provide links to interesting articles, if I do say so myself. (laughs) And possibly the Twitter. (laughs) All right. Thank you all. Thanks.